When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to yet another Charlton Live Lockdown Podcast. My name is Louis Mendes and we've got plenty of Alex chat for you to get your teeth into this week. Myself and some of my fellow members of the Charlton Live team discussed the fact that the ownership crisis at the Valley took another dramatic twist this week as the EFL announced an investigation into the club. We also have a walk down memory lane to remember a classic game from years gone by. Carl from the Charlton Athletic Community Trust tells us about this week's Upbeats Day and how you can support the continuation of the superb Charlton Upbeats programme. And we'll also give you a sneak peek of the bonus podcast that's set to be released on Wednesday. But first things first, let's bring in some of the other lads to discuss another confusing week in SE7. Charlton Live. Right, so let's uh, see who we've got on the phone this week then. Uh, in one, uh, Mr. Tom Wallins joining us on this week's pod. How are you doing, Tom? Not too bad, thank you. Yeah, had a, had a good week? Uh, much the same. Uh, don't know what you want from me, really. <laughs> in the garden, enjoyed the weather, so uh, that's about as good as it gets, I think, at yeah, the moment. Yeah, every week I ask this question, and every week everyone has the same answer. I ain't done nothing, but <laughs> here we go. Let's find out what Nathan's been up to. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you expect, really. Yeah, well, let's find out what Nathan's been up to this week. How you doing, Nath? Living the dream, boys. Yeah, yeah. you all right? Yeah, mate. All good, mate. Getting loving, through it. Loving life. Getting through it. Yeah, I've learned some, I'm learning Latin at the moment. Oh, yeah? Blimey. Nah, that'd be useful. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing, mate. Just the same old stuff, really. Just usually texting you and Tom, really, just to annoy you. Yeah. But apart from that, just surviving like everyone else. I wish you'd stop sending those pictures. And uh, finally, um, let's bring in for his debut since we've gone into lockdown. First time we've heard from him uh, for a while. It's Mark Newbury. How you doing, Mark? Hello. Yeah. No, I'm all good. I'm fine. What else can you say? Yeah. How how have you found it? It's the first time we spoke to you in a while. What have you been up to? How the twins? Uh, the boys are good. Um, I've been trying to get them more interested in playing football now. So Was we're that, taking them out. Is that, for when we, exercise, is that so. for when we have to start a new club so we can get some players? <laughs> well, yeah, probably by about 16 years, I'll be about ready. So. <laughs> right, well, it's great to have you uh, on the pod. So, uh, as we know, it's been another crap week, really. Um, a lot more questions than answers. Um it's, it's tough to say where to start, really, isn't it, Tom? But I, I, I thought maybe, you know, towards the end of the week yesterday, Marion Mihail, if that's how you pronounce his name, one of the directors, so-called directors now uh, at the club, uh, answered some questions from the Supporters Trust. Um, and the main thing there, you know, people were worried for the immediate future of the club, whether any money's been put in this month, because Tanoon's promised there will be money this month. 
Uh, and they said they, it still hasn't been in there. And now they're implying it's going to be in the form of a loan. Um, what were your views on that, Tom? I don't know if we were allowed to use the term show, but um, I'm going to and already have because it's, it's just a complete mess. The whole thing is just... And like, I'm, I'm getting to the point now where I'm just sick of it. The, the pair of them just need to sort this all out. And I said that yesterday on, on Twitter, that it just feels like the club is just being left to one side while these two just fight and squabble. And, and as you say, they, they'd assured us that this money was coming in. And now it sounds very much like Tanoon's big problem is proving the source of funds because two or three times over the last week or so, we've heard that that's the issue, the fact that he's not coming forward with source of funds. And at no point is he explaining why that's an issue, which only leads you to start to get concerned about where that source of funds is coming from. And all the while, the, the club is still running. The club's still going on week by week. The club still has bills to pay at the end of each week. And until some money comes in, that's obviously going to be just a massive concern. And it's just, to me, it feels like both Matt, in whatever capacity he's still got, and Tanoon and, and everybody else involved just don't seem to be putting the club first. And, and even if one of them is going to end up owning the club going forward and we do get the source of funds and we move on, it's just such a horrible start to their time with us, even if in that scenario, that it, the whole thing is just an absolute mess. Mm, yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the fact that no money's gone in right now is, is one concern uh, because of, I think, wages are due to come out, I think, next week, uh, I believe. So that that needs to be the case. If it does come in in form of a loan, great, then we get past stage one, which is getting wages paid next week. Now, stage two... And perhaps the bigger thing hanging over us in terms of the long term of the club, and and this is sort of not not just the spat involving Matt Southall and Tanun Namir, is of course the EFL opening this investigation into the takeover of the club. Um, you know, we know currently we're under a transfer embargo because uh, we've been unable to get that takeover ratified because of the lack of source and sufficiency of funding, Nathan. But now that they're going to start to look into this further, I mean. When, when the EFL start to investigate what's going on, this is when they're going to start to think, right, what other punishments need to need, need to be had here? So, I mean, at the best case scenario, you're probably talking points deduction if we can't come out of this investigation shining. And as, I mean, look at what happened to Berry. As these problems mount up and you still don't sort it, you know, these things don't get fixed. Just further down the line, I mean, the very end of this line, as far as the EFL will be concerned, is expulsion from the league. I mean, I'm praying it doesn't come to that, but we, I think we need to open our eyes now that that is actually a very real possibility for us. Yeah, of course it is. I think there's every, every, every allegation, um, or every allegation, every sort of punishment is, is you know, it can be happening. And even if you talk about points deduction, I mean, at the moment, in the table, we're sitting in the relegation zone anyway. So what could actually happen? We could, they could cancel the season as of now. Um, and let's say they did have relegations. I know Holland haven't, but let's say we go down and they do a point deduction there and we'll be like Bolton and go in League One with a minus. Do you know what I mean? Things like that, it's really serious. And to be honest, it's so similar to Tom, really. The whole thing is just getting a bit boring. I think there's more there's more chance of us finding out when this lockdown's finishing before we're going to find out anything through Cholton, you know? And and I think the, the, the problem is... is is that something's got to give and at the moment I can't see what's going to give because you've got two big egos in Tanoon and Matt um, you know who you know, are, not, are not letting go and one of them has to if they're not going to be able to work collaboratively they're going to have to they have to come to a compromise you know and it just goes back all the way to the like you say the embargo that's that's one 
one subject uh, of it all, and it just goes. I, I was thinking like the other day. I think I saw something on Twitter like when Matt Southall come out and said that he met the Peterborough chairman about Tony and Madison. What was all that about? If he was under embargo, do you know what I mean? But I mean, yeah, the the, the, the sanctions that the, the league can do, especially the expulsion stuff. I'm sitting here thinking, surely, like they won't be that harsh. But again, we don't really know the full facts of it. It depends what they find. It depends what they dig up. And it just seems a massive mess. And mm. we all thought we were all over that hill, didn't we? We was all cheering that it's all finished and we're all going to go on and hold hands and be happy families all over uh, from scratch. But um, obviously that's not proved to be the case. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, really? Because I've seen some fans sort of saying on on social media as such that they, they feel like the the club shouldn't be punished it should be the people like Matt Southall and Chanun Namir but the problem is Mark with the the way that this the the, the EFL is run I mean they they can't they they can't turn around and say that they are only going to punish two people because their authority is over the football club their authority is over the way the league runs I mean sure they can apply sanctions to those people and make there, there must be some sort of way they can be banned from football for example but if they own the shares in a football club then that football club will have to be punished, and that and that's why I think some people, you know, we'd all love. I mean, none of us sit here and really think as Matt Southall and, and Tanunumir as Cholton, but the fact is, they are it, it, legally they are, if they own the football club, then that's that's why we're going to be who ends up getting punished. That's it. If a club gets punished, simple as that. I mean, like everyone else, everyone's gone. Well, why should the fans be punished? Why were Berry's fans punished? Why were Bolton's fans punished? But you can't do that. It's just purely for the club. So you know, it's, I think it's such a difficult situation um, with actually the legality, especially with the three ex directors with their legal work as well. On you know who comes down to the EFL saying, well, actually, you're still owned by Roland. Um, you know, if we go and ratify the sale, you know, it's, it's it's hard to say who actually, the physical person who actually owns the club. I mean, Southall said he paid a pound for it, but mm. he was using Namir's money to, to back that up in the end. So I, it's, it's quite a confusing situation with what to deal with there. Yeah, and you're right in saying, I mean, I mean, if, if the ex-directors uh, are successful, I mean, there, there seems to be... They, they've taken it to the next stage or so in the last week or so. But, I mean, you know no idea how long that's going to take. I mean, that's one way for the long-term future of the club to be to be secured, obviously, is by that that reversal of sale. And then surely then Roland owns the club again um, and presumably the, the ground and then and that come back to being in possession of the club. I guess that's how that works. Then Then you've got a way forward. But the thing is, with that sort of, potential way out Tom is you have no idea how long that's going to take especially with what's going on at the moment where it's very difficult to to meet people and and work together towards a name like that yeah I think looking at the long-term survival of the club for me I can't see a way that the long the club survives long term with with Matt or Tanoon or any of this ESI mob in charge I think it, it looks to me like the safest way is to go through the, the previous owners and directors who you would hope still have the best interest of the club at heart. We do end up with Roland uh, because at least then the club and the ground and the training ground are all back under one ownership, which is one thing I don't like about the current scenario. I know they've got this legal agreement apparently to purchase it within five years or whatever, but I don't like the fact that that's been split at all. 
as you say, the concern then is that Roland is going to run it on a pittance because he, he wants it off his hands, but he's been doing that anyway when the club was playing football. And then, as you say, it's about how quickly he can sell it. Now, I know that play, people can't meet each other, but you would think he would still have the time to to kind of seek people out. You know, everybody who's had to work from home and start to work remotely has seen how much remote technology not only has come on, but how easy it is to use and stuff. So you'd even think he would be able to find someone within his business who can set up a Skype call or something to, to begin to have those conversations because those transactions can still take place. So, you know, do I want Roland back in charge long-term? Absolutely not. Is that the best scenario that I can see at the moment? Well, unless someone comes flying over the hills with a wad of cash who happens to be a, you know, a lifelong Charm fan, I don't really see a better scenario now because I echo what the other guys have said that to me, the it sounds you know, crazy because it's so early on. But to me, to Noon and Matt and, and everyone else involved have, have already really burned their bridges because none of them have, have shown an ounce of interest in the club or not legitimately. I know Matt came out and said what he said at the start and Tanoon's preaching what he wants to preach, but none of them have put their money where their mouth is and, and proven that the club is their priority. And, and until they do, I don't really see how anyone can have any faith in any of them. Mm, yeah, that's one of the uh, the, the major frustrations uh, at the moment, I mean, in terms of a next step, then Nathan, um, what what do you think could, will be the outcome uh, over the, the course of the next little while? Because I mean, it, it, if it goes to the stage where I mean, we're still well only a few days from the end of April now, what we probably a week left. Tanoon's promised that, well, sort of said he's going to put money in, possibly in a loan now, because I guess he's worried that the, the sale is going to be reversed. But then if it does, who owns? Who owes the money to Tanoon then after that? I mean, that's going to be another abs- web in this absolute confusion uh, that, that that's holding the club back at the moment. Um, I mean, what, what do you think will happen next? Because if that money doesn't go in, then, I mean, w- would the administrators be called in? Is that an option? I, I can't imagine it would happen that quickly, but that's an outside option if, if, if we stay in this position for a while. Yeah, I think obviously once it comes to the fruition that the entity itself cannot play its pay its creditors and pay, you know, pay its liabilities, then then it will become a conversation where, you know, the administration may be an option. But do I think, I think Tanoon will probably put the money in. But like you say, it's whoever then take, if, he, if it's unpicked by the FL and it turns out that he's not the legal owner per se, um, you're not going to have Roland who's going to be, because that, because what's going to happen is if he, if you have that loan, you're going to have the ball that are currently at Charlton who will sign and agree the loan from, I assume it's going to be from ESI for Panorama, Panorama Magic, right? So when Roland, if Roland's the new owner, he's going he's, he's to say, well, it's not my liability, I didn't sign for that. And it's true. So again, like it's true what you say, what happens there. But I mean, in terms of the likely outcome, I honestly think that uh, the EFL on picket, um, I think it probably will go back to Roland. Yeah, it's not up to the, the, the EFL can't the EFL can't unpick the deal. They can just say that it's not that they haven't passed, and then like I yeah. say, just impire, They can put on their own punishments. Then they can't unpick unpick the deal yeah. themselves. Yeah, no, but, but I mean, what I meant was is like in terms of cause I think if you if you go and buy a house or something, you've got to prove where your money's come from, right, or something. And I think if. There's, I'm not saying that the money that he's not proving isn't legal. I just think that the money he's probably got or said that he's got is probably tied up in other interests in football, in my opinion. Do you know what I mean? Um, that's what I think it might, in my opinion, where it could be. Because I think otherwise, why is it so difficult to prove where the money's come from? 
And that's what I don't understand. It's not that difficult if you can prove to a bank whether you go buy a house or if you do anything. You can prove where your money's come from. You can, because it's all electronic now. So that's where I think it's come unstuck. Um, but yeah, I, I think the only way it's going to be is whoever investigates it or who unpicks it, whoever that may be. Um, and then there probably will be a points deduction. I honestly think that. But, but like Tom said, unless something comes out of nowhere and he finds the proof, which I hope he does. Don't get me wrong. I hope Danoon does get, you know, provide the proof or satisfy all the needs. And then we can all just crack on and forget about it and just, you know, focus on um, getting back to football. But I can't see it. Um, I don't know if that's just being me negative, Nora, but um, that's, I mean, what I, that's what I can we're, we're, we're nearly six months down the line now, aren't we, from November when, when, when this, this sort of deal was first announced as such and, and when it was in its making still. So, I mean, if he hasn't done it now, why not? And surely he would have done it now if he was able to. Well, exactly. And this, is, this is what I'm saying. Hmm. I mean, also this week, Mark, we've seen Tanoon and uh, and Matt Southall ended up on, on Talk Sport during the week, which was, uh, well, a, a dis- probably a distraction more than anything. And, and uh, th- this is one of the things that we, I think, my, myself included, especially while I'm not working, I'm just sitting at home bored, we're looking for distractions. This is one of the things we're all getting sucked up, sucked into now. Is when when Tanoon or Matt make some sort of announcement via the the press or whatever. All of a sudden, we're all over it. But really, I mean, it's it's it's, it's fairly irrelevant what they're saying now. I mean, Tanoon went on to on to talk sports, said he'd responded to the EFL's request uh, when, when they started talking about uh, this uh, this inquiry into the club. Um, said he said he's happy to satisfy the EFL tests. Said it was a problem that EFL wanted to know the source of the money, but he says he believes he's provided everything for them. But like I say, he's been saying that for a while now, hasn't he? Um, yeah, slagging off Matt Southall a bit, as we've seen. Um, and then just talking about, oh, everyone's got to stick together. And then Matt Southall came on, sort of refuted a few claims, uh, spouted a bit of rubbish about the flat, for example. Um, talking about Nimir not putting his money in, which we all know already about at, at this moment in time. Um, and again, really added absolutely nothing to the uh, to the equation as to how the club's going to be saved going forward. I mean, it's got to a stage now where I don't care how much Matt and Tanoon don't like each other. Um, Tanoon, I think it was Rick Everett put in, in the Voice of the Valley this week, Tanoon seems to be the person in possession of the ball in terms of who could possibly do something to sort the club out at the moment. So I don't want to hear Tanoon slagging off Matt because, trust me, Tanoon's people have been leaking all sorts of rubbish to us again about Matt Southall. When, that, when I turn around and say, what about the source and sufficiency? They go very quiet. So I don't care about this argument between the two of them. I just want this sorted now. And that, that, that must be the way it's got to go forward, surely, Mark. Yeah, I mean, it, it did seem very childish. I mean, I've got a feeling Matt Southall probably regrets going on talk sport. He thought he could go in and sell a few cans of snake oil. And um, luckily, Simon Jordan's there and he doesn't buy it. And uh, But you're right, it just seems churlish and childish as well between the two of them. And it's, you know, it's how much is one's going to dig the hills in there as the other. Like you say, I think, if, you know, Namir's got the ball, but Matt's going to say, right, if you want to get rid of me, you're going to have to pay me off, you know, to get me out of anything. Because he keeps saying about all the shares he's got. And it is confusing. But like I, say, I, I don't know, you know it's, it's, so is Roland sitting with absolutely no money in his account for the club? It's like Nathan said about the house thing. It's right, you have to, you know, you can't move into a house until you've put the money into someone else's account. So, in, in, in effect, we've got squatters in the boardroom as such. So... 
Yeah, squatters is one thing I'd uh, I'd call them. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so yeah, so so what else did we see this week? So Matt, uh, well, on the the day after was it day or two after that the, the two of them were on Talksport speaking to Jim White. All of a sudden, Jim announced that he had some big revelation. Uh, and then, and it was such a weird one. He sort of said that Matt Southall's company ESI, which uh, at the start of that sentence didn't even make any sense, um, had uh, had decided uh, that they will terminate the appointment of IPS Law, the company used by Tanun Namir inside Charlton to prevent Charlton from becoming another Berry. Now, I did. I mean, it was just the the the, the merest of digging into this story. I mean, even what even what Jim said didn't make any sense at the time. But the merest of digging into this story. So, the fact that he said it's ESI's uh, Matt Matt Southall's company ESI obviously set alarm bells ringing. Um, IPS Law is the, uh, the the law firm that Chris Farnell, uh, the lawyer, is with now. Chris Farnell is the man who was at Berry when they uh, were expelled from the league, and. Um, is uh, was a, a lawyer at one point for Matt Southall. Matt Southall was unable to pay him. I think owed him something in the region of about ten grand. Uh, Tanun Namir now uses Chris, uh, Chris Farnell. There's a, clearly Farnell and Southall uh, don't get on. But I mean the way the way this transpired, I heard from, uh, from from good sources that basically what happened is an email was sent to the club's senior staff like SMT um, and basically telling them from well from. Uh, the, the Southall camp, uh, and I'll, I'll let you guess who's left in that camp, and <laughs> and um, basically saying that old oh, Charlton aren't going to use IPS law anymore, and the SMT all looks at it, it's like, well, this person has no authority over us. That decision has not been made. Just ignore this. But that email was copied into Talksport and just read out by Jim White. So it's baffling that there was no no checking of that story done because, and, you know, as I put on Twitter at the time, it doesn't mean much at all that email. Um, it was just another example of the games being played, Tom, by both sides, which is so frustrating. Uh, when, as I say, you know, it's fiddling whilst whilst Rome is burning. Yeah, it's not just frustrating; it's completely pathetic. The, the fact that he thought he was ever going to get away with that, and I, I know it got read out on Talk Sport, so to some extent, he might think he's got away with it. But any fan with half a brain is going to recognise that it's absolute nonsense and. You've just got to hope that there's enough of those fans around to to shut down the other fans who are, you know, hanging on to every word that they get spun because it makes them feel important. And, you know, we said it in our in our Twitter group the other day that, unfortunately, an organisation like TalkSport, you know, they're a commercial radio station. All they're really looking for is, is to get listeners, you know, and, and to make money. So if they get a story that they know is going gonna, is gonna to get people listening you know and and they have it on what they deem good authority then then they're going to read it out um and it's it goes back to what we've all said you know and you said it earlier it i'm just sick of it now the the pair of them it's so childish it's so pathetic that and they're just leaving the club to rot and like you say tanoon has got the power in terms of the finances we're led to believe um and yet you know the the questions and, and answers that went on the site the other day say He's not prepared to do anything with the club until Southall leaves. Well, there's a good chance that Southall, whatever position he's in now, isn't going to go away and certainly not going to go away easy. So is Tanoon therefore just going to let it run its course until the club no longer exists? Like, someone has got to grow up in all this and got to put a stamp on it and got to sort it out because when you buy a football club, that's what you have to do. And at the moment, there's just absolutely no sign that either of them are doing it. Mm, yeah, I mean, there was that weird situation, wasn't there, Nave, where, where Southall was on Twitter 
uh, inviting fans to join some sort of Zoom conversation. Uh, I mean, like similar to what we'd be what we're doing here. Obviously, I mean, it'd be people talking uh, online about it, but with Matt Southall. And it's funny. You know, I was on the phone to someone at the time when when I saw those tweets came up coming up, and I said to the person I was speaking to, I said, "Oh God, look what Matt's asking." And then it suddenly dawned on me because all of a sudden people were putting my name forward. I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> So I thought, if I just ignore this, hopefully it'll go away. But then two days later, Matt did actually DM me or invited me to join. And I just said, I have no plan in joining this conversation. Because, I mean, it would have been clearly a waste of time. We've seen uh, with some of the conversations on Talk Sport this week um, that nothing Matt says can really hold any ground at the moment. There's, there's nothing nothing he has to say that, that's worth listening to now. No. I mean, yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw it on Twitter and that, and it was made me laugh a little bit because it was, obviously he got he got absolutely roasted by Simon Jordan because he couldn't even, just Jordan trying to explain the concept of cash flow um, and how it works in business in terms of um, managing your liabilities and your commitments for a football club. It's quite funny because Matt said he couldn't answer the question, so I thought it was hilarious. Um, but, uh, yeah, he done that, in my opinion, he done that because he got showed up on TalkSport. And, I mean, you can go out and ask people to come and join your Zoom call who are probably going to not pose the real questions that need answering, the real diggy questions, just the general, you know, the, the general chit-chat stuff. And he just wanted to be seen to be the nice guy, like he always has done. But for me, I, I, just, I just think some people just need to see through it all and just be like, Do you know what? Let's not get involved with a tit for tat, like Tom says, because it's just getting boring now. I don't, I don't really care. I don't really care about the Range Rovers and the beeps anymore. To be honest with you, I, I just want, like Tom said, just get sorted out. Someone take a bit of, go up a little bit. This is how we got to do it, and then crack on. Do you know what I mean? But I mean, he's always going to be on Twitter. He's always going to pipe up, and then, but people seem to just believe everything that's that's gospel, and that's what I think's making it poisonous. Because I think it's coming to a stage now where. You've got people, if you can call it this, you've got Team Nemo and Team Southall and you've got people taking sides and you're causing a massive divide between fans again. And that's what I'm worried about is that you're going to have people that believe two different sides and then they start arguing on Twitter and it gets a bit nasty and it's like, listen, we all want the same thing. Let's not let's not try and make the dirty laundry even dirtier in public. Just let it go and then... But I think that's why I'm trying to. I'm getting a bit disenchanted with it all at the moment. And um, I think after the talk sport thing, I read the stuff from Marion Mahal yesterday, which is I think to be fair, that's quite a good, good, good thing for him to do. Um, um, it's, it provides a little bit of clarity. But mate, I mean, you're gonna with the Zoom thing, you're gonna have everything. This won't be the last from Matt, and he will crack on, and he'll, he won't let it go. And but someone has to, and there, someone's got to give. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we saw we saw some quotes from uh, the supporters' trust a couple of times this week. I mean, they, they were uh, severely worried, and they have even put themselves at the very existence of uh, the football club uh, is under threat. Um, I mean, they, they've they've got involved with asking questions. Um, I mean, this is one thing I've seen people moaning about, which not really something I get on board with because I mean, and I know this is something that people put put to jerk. I mean, the, the amount of times when Charlton lost, I. Asked Lee Bowyer, and he said, "Oh, actually, I've, you know, we we gave everything." And people say, "Oh, why didn't you tell him?" Because, like, well, there's no question that will all of a sudden make make Lee Bowyer change formation. So, like, there's the, people seem to think that just by asking a question aggressively, then all of a sudden you're going to fix everything. You don't. That's not how it works. And tr- and the trust have been putting forward 
uh, questions. And, you know, they have been getting, like you say, um, some answers. But unfortunately, just because you don't like the answers doesn't mean the question was wrong. I mean, you can only ask questions of people, Mark. And then it's up to them to say what, they, what they're going to say. And if, if we don't like the fact that, you know, still... Nimmo hasn't put any money in. ESI haven't put any money in. There's nothing the trust can do about that other than ask what's going on. And that's one thing I think where people are getting a bit carried away with just trying to slag off supporters groups because because things are going wrong. Unfortunately, the people the buck stop with are the people who currently own the football club. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, you try and keep away from social media, but you have a lot of time on your hands at the moment. And I saw something yesterday which says this is all cards' fault. <laughs> And I'm thinking, it, really? Is, is it? Is it cards fault? It's, it's it's a finger pointing, and it, the amount of smug people go, "Oh, I told you in January about this lot," and thinking, "Did you? You know, well, well done. You get a special badge, but it doesn't achieve anything now." I mean, it's it's a unity thing. We, we, we've been pushed down before, and if we get a points deduction, if we get dropped down to a division, as long as there's still a club here, that's the thing. I mean. That's, that's the important thing. If we start next season in League One with minus 12, fine. You know, it's, it's I'm not happy with it, but at least we have a club. You know, and that's, that's the thing. As a bottom line is, and it's right, there are divisive people who just want to who would start an argument in an empty room. And, you know, how they're much more of a fan and why don't you ask this? If, if you don't want to ask, answer a question, someone just say, well, legally, I can't talk about that at the moment. And, and that's it, that's done with. I mean, it's, why aren't you doing this, why aren't you doing that? They don't, you know, like I say, they don't actually have to give an answer. You know, it's, we are getting some things back, but, you know, as a fan, all you can almost do is, it's like you're watching it through the chain link fence. You want to go closer, but you can't, because you, you've got to leave it until someone decides, right, this is what's going to happen. Someone senior up the totem pole is going to say, right, this is what's happening. And... And like I say, unfortunately, all we can do really is, is discuss it in, in the most. At least we have a forum here where it's, it's civil. I mean, and there's too much uncivility to be between Charlton fans online at the moment. And that's what's depressing. Mm, yeah, it's getting a. I think I said it. I said it the other day, didn't I? That I think for me, what's happening on and Twitter, and you can read into into Twitter what you want, and, and the sort of people that are on there. But obviously, we all are. Um, but I know it, it can be a place where people lash out but for me I'm giving some fans the benefit of the doubt and and putting it down to the fact that they are scared about the existence of their club and because they're scared they are choosing to lash out any way they can in a way to try and look like they care and and if that is the case then I get it and you know it is a difficult time for all of us as fans of the club but uh, as I put on the other day it's important that we all stick together because Mark's exactly right you know we are going to come out at the end of this in some form we hope it's still with the chart on that we know but whatever form we come out of it that club or whatever it is that still exists is going to need the fans to pull together so it's just so important to to be able to do that and and as i say at the moment i think it's the people are scared and from the looks of what we've read rightly so but i think it's about not directing that frustration and that fear towards other fans because we all at the end of the day we all want the best interest of the club right and we're all on the same team Excellent stuff. Right, I think that is where we should leave it for this week's chat. Uh, still got a little bit more to come up on the pod, of course. But um, I'm going to say thank you then to uh, to Mark, to Tom and to Nate for, for joining me this week. And I hope you guys have a good week. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across, Bowers there, passes there, Bowers with a header, and it's Joe! Yes! 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 Oh, he scores! Oh, Patrick Barr! You absolute German beauty! Woo! Dream lads! Joe has scored! With seconds remaining! We've done it all! Gets it! Come on! What a time to be a hero here at Wembley! Right, I promised you a trip down memory lane, so let's go back to the 28th of September 2003 when Liverpool's trip to the Valley would prove a special afternoon for a perennially young striker. Oh, what a great ball that is! Smitter on the end of a brilliant through ball by Harry Kuehl. Liverpool take the lead. A quarter of an hour gone. Here's a chance for Lisby against Dudek. And he's taken it. Half an hour gone. Charlton are level. Absolutely superb finish. Some sloppy play really from Liverpool. It's a fabulous First touch from Graeme Stewart, the flying Lisby, who made a superb run forward. And then he's 1v1, the keeper has certainly committed himself very early indeed. And very similar in many respects to the goal from Vladimir Schmitter. He finds the perfect chip over the goalkeeper into the back of the net. And even Paolo can celebrate. Now Jensen delivers the corner. Hartlett got it well, so did Bishkan, headed back in by Fish, and now by Heskey, and then back in by Bob. He's done it again. Lisby second, and Charlton from one down, lead Liverpool by two goals to one. Well, it's party time at the Valley at the moment. Heskey was being held, I thought, and so did referee Styles more significantly. It's a penalty. 2-2. Eight goals in eight games for Michael Owen. Just look how open this football match is. It's incredible, isn't it? One moment Liverpool attacking. The next moment, Charlton are at their front. There they go with Lisby. What a run. See a better one than that. 
in. And the next minute, Charlton may well have got the winner. And how fitting and deserving it may well have gone to Kevin Lisby. It's all down to Mr. Styles now. How long we have left. And there's the answer. Kevin Lisby's first hat-trick of his senior career has produced a memorable win for Charlton Athletic. Lisby's stunning 83rd minute winner secured his first ever hat-trick and a memorable victory over Liverpool, one of the addicts best during the Premier League era. Unfortunately, Lisby wouldn't score again that season with his campaign curtailed through injuries shortly after the addicts though, would go on to finish 7th, their best ever season in the Premier League. Charlton Live. Now this week has been designated Upbeats Week by the Charlton Athletic Community Trust. Normally hundreds of fans would have made the walk from the training ground to the valley today to raise money for the Upbeats, but the circumstances have clearly changed due to the lockdown. Plenty of you would have been out already to support the Charlton Upbeats in a different way this week. I caught up with Carl from the Community Trust to find out a little bit more about what has been planned for this week. The, the, the normal walk was planned every year. We, we have all those supporters that are in and come out and engage in the event and do the walk. And Obviously with the restrictions and lockdown that's not going to be possible this year so we were really keen that the Upbeats project sort of didn't go um, unnoticed during this period and especially for the boys and the families you know, we felt it was important to still shine a light on the project so what we've asked uh, people to do is to sort of walk a mile um, a minimum of a mile or whatever they can do really this Saturday still in sort of aid of the Upbeats programme um, and I think a lot of people have come forward and said they're going to do a bit more some people have talked about doing a 10k run but really the distance doesn't really matter it's just the fact that I think collectively there's going to be groups of people that are doing something on Saturday that is in aid of the Upbeats is thinking about the Upbeats project obviously raising funds for the programme which is great um, and it just allows them them and the project to be uh, the spotlight really for Saturday as they would have been obviously if the normal season was, was underway as it, as it was but yeah so it's going to be different um, but you know, all in all, the, the Upbeats project is going to be the, the, the benefit from this, for sure. Yeah, of course, because it's one of the, uh, the the projects that the Trust do that certainly caught the imagination of the fans uh, over the last few years. So I'm sure you're expecting you, you'll get plenty still getting involved on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it, it never fails to amaze me, to be honest. Whatever's happening football-wise, you know, obviously, you know, there's been some difficult seasons and times in recent years at Charlton, but the, the, the fan support for the Upbeats has never... Wavered or been deterred by any of that. Um, and in fact, it tends to do the opposite. They tend to sort of galvanise and realise that the Upbeat is part of the Charlton family. It's an extremely positive aspect of the club and trust that's come together. You know, we all know that historically the Upbeat project was only ever made possible by the generosity of the supporters and how they voted it. And we got the funding and they've supported it ever since. And I think. Yeah, it's, it's just something, there's, there's nothing negative about the Upbeats projects at all, you know, whether it's the way the supporters come forward and, and support it every year, you know, the, the lads themselves and the families, you know, the whole project, it's just a good feeling, everything surrounding it, whether it's them going on the national tournament or the Upbeats Day, obviously, at the Valley every year, um, it's just a win-win for everybody. And I, and I think, to be honest with you, talking to staff and myself, I know, I've missed a lot of our projects in the last few weeks, but the Upbeats in particular 
Um, I can't wait to see them all again and their families and you know I know they feel the same and the supporters will be the same it's, I think we all want to raise some money make sure the project's there again in whatever time we can get back up and running um, so it's just, just a win-win for everybody I think Yeah and you mentioned there of course that the, the fans' generosity has helped keep the, the project going over the, the last few years I mean um, what sort of what, what target are you guys looking at for donations and, and what sort of stuff would the money be spent on? Well, so what we normally do is we, we normally set a target every year, which is based on what the project obviously costs to run. Um, and obviously that includes the trips that we run for the families and the national festival that we go to. So there's, there's lots of trips or three or four main trips that we run a year for the upbeats. Obviously, with the way that um, the summer's going, that's been scaled down. The project's not currently running the trips. It looks like the National Festival has been put back till October at the earliest. Um, their Belfast trip has been cancelled, unfortunately, already. So we, we know that actually that we're going to do the walk again next April and on a bigger scale, hopefully. But we just wanted to do something this year and, and set a realistic target that meant if we come back in August, September, we can still put some really good events on for the families and the upbeats. Still run session through till next April, and, and then and then set another target for there. So I think we're hoping to raise ten ten thousand pounds. And if I'm honest, I had a look this morning, and it's no surprise to me we're not far off already. You know, people have really got behind it this week. Um, some of the boys have been involved in promoting it themselves, which is great. Um, and the target looks like really healthy already. So. Again, the, the fans and supporters of the Upbeats haven't let us down. They never do. Yeah, and you mentioned that you've been missing some of the lads whilst uh, you, you've had to, whilst we've all had to sort of stay away from each other. I mean, how have they been keeping themselves busy? I've seen them uh, sort of helping to to set the challenges for the supporters on the on Twitter as well with some of their football videos. What else have they been up to? So we've had um, we've had a WhatsApp group running for years, which has obviously got parents and carers on it. It's our way that we communicate quickly to uh, the families but I think what we did was a few weeks ago one of the boys came up with the idea actually and his mum and they said look can we set up an upbeat only WhatsApp group which has been brilliant and uh, obviously we, a couple of us are on it just to ensure that it's we police it a little bit um, and it's been amazing the way they've been sending each other messages uh, songs cake baking uh, little messages to each other and just words of support and encouragement to each other because I, I know it's been challenging for not only the upbeats themselves, but obviously for their families. Um, the vast majority are sort of isolating completely in terms of not going out. Um, and that, that's that's challenging. Um, but they have got their family unit, you know, they're all together. So it's been wonderful to see some of the stuff that's been coming through um, and really entertaining as well, as they always are. Mm. Um, and I think what we've done is we've just really got them behind the push this, this week and they've, we've not had to twist their arms to do that. They've been sending in their own version of um, Alay, 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 I think I've seen a few of those this week, which has been brilliant. All done in different styles, um, which is great. And also, as you said, I think we've been, our football and sports um, development team have been setting tasks. The first team have been involved in now, I know that. Um, and we thought it would be nice for this week to have the upbeat setting some of those challenges, which has gone out to the, the public, you know, people who follow our, our Twitter feeds. And we've been having young people sort of trying to emulate what the boys have been trying to do. and competitions run so it's, it's been brilliant it's been a great week um, been a lot lots of it the club have been amazing Tom and Ollie the way they've supported it in terms of promoting it and there's been so much material this week it's been difficult to catch up with it all if I'm honest but yeah really good and of course away from the upbeats the community trust play such a big part in the uh, the local area 
uh, to so many people. And obviously, I guess in, a lot of your projects would have had to sort of wind down during this this period. But I know, I mean, I know there's been plenty of stuff going on. You, you mentioned you were out and about doing deliveries today. I mean, what else have the trust been doing during this time to try and keep things going for uh, for people in the local community? It's been a really strange period because obviously the, the, a lot of our projects are, are, are sort of local authority commissioned or, or funded via the Premier League, for instance, via kicks and you know, various projects. And what we've had to do, and, and, and actually we've been really sort of uh, proactive in doing it, is, is changing our approach. We work with lots of vulnerable people throughout the year, whether it's for our mental health programs or, or what our amazing health strand deliver, you know, in terms of support to the local community. And, and those communities stretch from Royborough Greenwich into Bexley um, and also all the way down into Kent and Fannet. You know, we've had some really proactive stuff down in Ramsgate over the last uh, few weeks. But we've just mobilised really to sort of see and um, talk to the council, see where we can be of best support to them and, and our local communities. And currently we're running the, um, the community hub, which... Um, Basically, all of those that are sort of in need and need a crisis, they will come through to those lines. So our health team are managing that brilliantly, and a lot of us have just changed our roles, you know, to become delivery drivers, running essentials out to the families that are in need. Um, we've been linking in with the short breaks teams, Royal Borough, Greenwich, and Bexley, because we normally work all year providing sort of respite programs to families who have kids with disabilities. So now we've sort of changed that to almost saying, now, what do you need brought in? We'll, we'll deliver you, do your shots for you. You know, we've been in Sainsbury's as does most of the last last month doing shots for people and delivering it to them. And it just makes it a bit easier. So, yeah, it, it's, it's been a really brilliant reaction from all of our staff, which isn't a surprise. You know, we have some brilliant staff here and they've just been very flexible and done what they've needed to do um, to make sure that we're, we're the best we can be for the local communities. And hopefully, you know, that won't be for too much longer, but we're prepared to do it for as long as it takes. Now, at the top of the show, I mentioned that we'll give you a sneak peek at a bonus podcast that will be released in midweek, and it's one I'm sure you will not want to miss. In 62, I was getting started to get into the reserve side, and I, I had a habit of scoring goals, and I was playing with the reserves. Um, so coming up at the end of that 61-62 season, uh, I was offered the chance to be professional, which was... Uh, really quite an amazing acceleration from nowhere almost to becoming a chance to uh, be offered the job. And your, your dad night. must have been very proud of you at that time, Keith, to, you know, yeah. from that initial trial and, the, and then going through the injury and then becoming a pro at Charlton. That, that must have been a special moment for the family as well. It, it was, and particularly my father. My dad was a great influence uh, on never giving up, carry yep. on working hard and things will turn out for the best or the best you can possibly get. On Wednesday, in collaboration with the Charlton Athletic Community Trust, we'll be releasing the first of three parts of an engaging chat between Steve Sutherland and Mr Charlton himself, Keith Peacock. Keith shares some fascinating insight into his long affiliation with the Addicts as a player, assistant and caretaker manager and ambassador for the club. It's one not to be missed. So that will be released on Wednesday. But until then, I hope you've enjoyed this week's pod. We'll be back with another regular Charlton Live podcast next weekend. Goodbye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 